Yeah, I'm plugged in. There we go. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I wanted you to do something a little bit different this morning, and I hope it's okay with everybody. If it's not, it's okay with Keith, so it doesn't matter what you think, really. So, <laughs> hallelujah. I am so excited. Every week we get to tell you guys about people that we don't want people that are already here in churches in Branson. I don't know if you know our hearts or not, but we've said that over and over and over again. We want people that are not going to church anywhere. We want people that are coming in off the streets and off the roads and off of motorcycles and off of car accidents and and God sparing their lives and saving them. And and that's the kind of people we want to come because these other people, we don't want to be fishing out of our own bathtub, in other words, you know. So uh, we want to reach out to the community and the people around and stuff. And not only the community, God, is bringing in people from everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I thought you might be blessed. I do have a sermon this morning. I am ready to preach, and I will. So just hang on with me, and we'll get to that. But I wanted to take just a few minutes this morning and do something a little bit different that I thought might encourage some of you to know what's been happening around Faith Life Church. Lorna, come here, and David, come here, just a minute. I want these guys, y'all think we just went out and hunt people up and they bless us this way. I want you guys to hear some of the testimonies of some of the people and how they got here and what God did for them to get them here and why they're here. I mean, we had our first service, I don't know if you know or not, we had absolutely no musicians. We borrowed some musicians from some people. But then the next service, we begun to have people that were filling in and helping us and doing some different things. And some of these people God has sent from the four corners of of the earth. And I want you to hear a couple of the testimonies. Y'all up for that this morning? All right. You guys go ahead. You want to go? Praise the Lord. How many knows God cares where you where you go to church? This is David. We're going to have three microphones going here, Larry. David and Larna Creech. And I want to tell you something about them when they're done. So go ahead. We came here Easter Sunday was your first service. Uh, and actually I talked to a friend who lives here in Branson. I was on the internet and he asked me a question. I was typing in asking him a question. Have you heard anything about a Keith Moore starting a church in Branson? When I hit enter to send him the message, the message that came to me was, have you ever heard of Keith Moore? I knew right then I was supposed to go to Branson. I told my wife on Thursday night, I think, that we're going to Branson this weekend. Okay, so we did. We came here and the first song I think was Celebrate, Jesus Celebrate. I cried through that. I really did. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. Prior to that, about uh, probably a month before that, we, though, had been praying. And this is where it really began. We had been praying and just asking God what we're supposed to do. And we heard Brother Copeland speak on a Sunday night. He was talking on his TV show, and he said, "If you need to be praying. Where am I supposed to be in church? What church am I supposed to be in? And David was on the phone, and I looked at him, and I said, listen, listen. And so we started agreeing right then. We were in agreement that we were going to pray for the church that we were supposed to be in. And then that led us to this. And then our venture here was quite interesting because we really didn't know how we were going to get from Kentucky to Missouri. And that Kentucky. They came from Kentucky. Kentucky to Missouri. And so we began to pray. Before we went to Kentucky, though, we was in Kansas City praying about where to go. And God told us to come to Branson. I didn't listen. I thought I knew what to do and thought it'd be the right thing. So we went to Kentucky and worked in a church out there to work in a church. And God is still faithful. He will still take care of us when we make mistakes. That's right. But we got out there and the, we love the church, love the people. Some of my family go to this church and they ran out of money. And I, I, that was a sign to me there. I told that's, that's when all this started happening. So we started praying about how we were going to get here. 
And literally, because we, we are tithers and givers, we knew how to stand on God's word. And immediately, money just started coming in. Money from our uh, David's um, stepdad. He said, I'm just supposed to give you some money. Money from preachers, preacher friends of ours, because we had ministered in churches. And they just started calling and saying, where are you going and what are you doing? And the money started coming in. Then when we got here. Oh, yeah, when we got here, we had quite the challenge. We had a house kind of secured with some people to move into it. And we got here on a Sunday night about midnight. I thank God we got here at midnight because we knew where the key was to get in, to move everything in, and we didn't do it. The next morning we called, and they had sold the house and not called it. So we didn't have, any, have anywhere to move into. Uh, we were staying with a friend at, at his house, so we thank God for that. We had a place to stay. Uh, they gave us an extra day on the truck with our furniture in it. Praise God. And the next morning, a house came available, a newer home, right up the street behind the one we was going to rent. So God's good. Amen? He's faithful. Amen. And y'all don't know this, but when they came up the first Sunday, they came up, and we had never met. I had never met David or Lorna. And David said that the Lord spoke to him, correct me if I'm wrong, that he had a CD in the car. And, you know, we get, I bet you, Average on a service, we get five CDs a service of people wanting us to promote their music or, or to do things like this. Or So most of the time, you, you have to just follow your heart. And if it's something that you feel like in your heart you're supposed to do, well, you follow up on it. But otherwise, most of them, to be honest with you, we just shelve, you know, or give to our staff or something like that. Because unless the Lord deals with you to do something, you can't do anything. You know, you wouldn't be any, any benefit to anyone. So anyway, David comes up. And he's standing over here on the side, and I'm leaving. And he says, Lord, I'm going to go out to my car and get a CD. And if they happen to still be there, I might give it to them, and I might not. You know, that was kind of the way he was thinking. Because he's been around that enough to know that everybody gives CDs. I mean, everybody gives CDs. And everybody has a CD. (laughs) And so um, he came up, and he gave it to me with fear and trepidation. I took that CD to Keith, and I said, this is our next music minister. And uh, ever since then, you can tell, ask our staff. I told them over and over again, David was coming. That's what I kept saying. David and Lorna are coming. They'll be the ones to do that. David and Lorna are coming. They'll be, they didn't have a clue I was saying that all the time. So uh, are they doing a good job, you guys? One other thing that you don't know. Last week during Week of Increase, we had a lot of guest ministers and stuff in. And Miss Lorna is a cook extraordinaire. And she cooked and worked day and night to take care of these people. And I was very, very blessed by her qualifications in order to do that. So you guys, God is sending us the very best. Glory to God. Thank you, guys. People don't know that I'm doing this this morning, so y'all bear with them if they freak out when I call on their names. Craig and Laura, would y'all come up here, please? <laughs> Listen to Craig back here on the drums. Miss Laura, would you come up here, please? God sent us these wonderful people from Florida, and so we want to tell you, let them tell you their testimonies. Y'all want to hear these or not? I'm excited about it this morning. Come on up here, beautiful. Miss Shy here is going to wiggle her way up here. She's not really shy. She just, no, she's not. Come on. uh, Let me digress even further. All right. Florida. All right. I was born and raised here, and uh, uh, I've been through... You wouldn't even want to hear. You wouldn't have time to hear, first of all, what I'll, uh, someday I'll get into that. But uh, all I can say is that the Lord has kept me, has brought me back to a straight path that uh, of a very crooked one that I was on. And uh, about uh, 1997, I was uh, I had loaded up my pickup truck and, and I was headed to Mexico. I was just going to 
just get away. Just go away. Leave it all behind. And I uh, went down there, and uh, <laughs> that was even worse. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so Branson being my home, I just I came back, fought my way back here, actually, and got back here and uh, walked into a, a theater because I've been in about 15 different shows over the last 30 years. And my mother used to say I couldn't hold down a job. But that's just the way showbiz is in Branson. And uh, so I walked into a theater looking for a job and, and saw her. And, uh, and uh, something just told me that uh, that was who I was supposed to be with, Laura. And she was dating somebody else. And, and luckily I was in charge of hiring and firing after I got the job there. And, <laughs> and he was looking for a job and didn't get it. <laughs> now that's manipulation, I know. But... That's just sometimes you got to do what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> we married a year later, and I was never going to get married again. I didn't even want to talk to women again. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And uh, Laura is a very strong Christian and has been since she was a little girl. And uh, she literally, uh, I mean, at, at, at my disagreement, <laughs> has taught me how to love the Lord. And taught me how to yes, thank you, Lord. accept Christ in my life. I mean, I knew about him, and I'd, I'd gone to church. I'd been in and out, and I'd done whatever I wanted to do anyway. So anyway, we got married. We, we struggled for a while. We, we worked together, which was really hard to do, just getting married. And we ended up going to, to well, actually, we were here, and we said, what are we going to do? You know, we just, things just aren't panning out for us. Things just aren't working out in this town. And so we said, well, let's, she said, let's pray about it. Let's just start praying. I mean, just really pray and not do anything until we're led to do it. So within about two weeks, we're headed to Florida. We, we're going to sell our house. We're going to sell everything we own. We're going to go to Florida because we feel led to go to Florida. We had an, a job offer down there. And so we went. And uh, we were, went down there, and we were supposed to be running something, you know, being in charge of something <laughs> and, and, and running it and, and controlling it. And, <laughs> About two weeks later, it just, the bottom fell out of that, but we were still there, and all of a sudden, we became servants to the situation, and I mean servants, changing clothes three times a day because you were so dirty and nasty and filthy, mm. and we did that, and we just kept doing that, and we, and she kept saying, God's going to, God's dealing with us, Craig, you got to just realize, God, God is dealing with us right now, and, and he was, and before long, uh, a situation opened up. We, we put our house up for sale, and the people that had moved into it, just leasing it from us, wanted to buy it. So we said, fine, we'll sell it to you. And it wasn't what we wanted out of it, but we said, we'll sell it to you anyway. So well, things just kind of kept moving for us to, to leave that situation and go out on the road and just start doing our own sales. Laura makes beautiful rugs, and we were going to go out and start our own business making rugs and selling the, the materials to do it. And long story short, <laughs> I know this is dragging on, but long story short is we were we uh, uh, were led back to Branson, and uh, the day we got back, the people that were, were going to buy our house called us and said we can't buy the house. And this is a house we'd spent nine years building, and uh, and so we were able to move right back into our house. The next week, I walked in the front door up here and ran into a friend of mine that that I used to work with, worked with him for about 25 years, and he said, would you like to play drums this Sunday? I said, yeah, I would. And I didn't know Keith, I didn't know Phyllis, I didn't know anybody here, but I'll tell you what, it's the most wonderful experience I've ever had in my entire life. And 
I don't mean to hog the mic because I, I want Laura to talk too, but I just want I just want to know how much I love God and how much I love my wife. And how much I love Keith and Phyllis and David and all you guys. <laughs> hard to follow. <laughs> um, I got a call when we were out on the road and I was offered a job and I was totally against taking the job and I thought, you know, that's just, God, we're away from Branson, we're not going back there. And Craig and I just started talking about it and we said, maybe we should pray about it. So when we got back to town, within an hour of being in town, Craig was offered a job and we kind of looked at each other and went, you know, maybe we're supposed to be here, you know. And then we moved back into our home, which is a huge comfort to be in something that you've worked on as hard as we've worked on our home. And Craig was asked to play drums here, and he said, you want to go to church with me? And, and I said, sure. And so I didn't have a clue. I'm telling you, not a clue. And um, came in here and sat down, and I thought, now, Lord, this is, a, this is different. But I've never told Craig this. But I prayed that night when he was up there playing drums. I said, God, if this is where you want us for whatever reason, then have them ask Craig to play the drums. The next morning, he got a call, and they asked him to play the drums. And I said, well, that was pretty fast. Did you really mean it? You know what I mean? So I just kept sitting and just being quiet and saying, God, you know, uh, my past, I served the Lord, and then I took a big old fall. And I just want to tell you that the past is back there. That's right. And every single day I've learned from being here, um, God has just changed our lives. He's picked us up and he's put us in a place that every single day I see him changing something. And I had to share it with my husband not long ago that I see, I can actually see what Jesus is doing in him. And you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's God. And sitting in a place where we can have this kind of teaching is amazing. And it's totally life-changing. It's God. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Phyllis. Thank you all. I sure do love you guys. Aren't they wonderful? i, I got to tell you this now. Let me butt in just a minute. Laura was the other one that helped Lorna last week with Week of Increase. She organized everything. She organized the food. She organized the caterers. She waited on us hand and foot. What a blessing. And then she'd get up and go to work the next morning after we kept her here half the night. So you guys, they are a blessing. You can't see behind the scenes, but they are a blessing. I'm telling you. So we love them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. So that's Kentucky. And that's Florida. They were here, but they were actually in Florida when they came back here. Now, let's call somebody from Louisiana. Y'all come on up here. Christy and Jim, y'all come on up here. Y'all like these or y'all want me to stop? These guys came in, didn't even have a place to live. I'm going to let you give them give the testimonies to you and, and tell you what all has happened in their lives since they've come here and what happened to them before they came here and all that kind of stuff. This is Christy and Jim Alexander. This is scary. <laughs> when 
I'm up there, it's okay, but <laughs> in front of this thing right here, it's, uh, but I'm proud to be here. The uh, Lord brought us here. Uh, we uh, came up here to visit. The story is so awesome, how I uh, got a tape or CD from uh, uh, of Keith Moore. You know, I was way back last year. Uh, I go to sleep at night listening to soft music. And uh, Kenneth Hagen had been sending magazines uh, to my residence for years and years and years. Matter of fact, I got my aunt saved through them. And uh, I said, you know, I really would like to listen to some anointed music, you know, that, that would that had the anointing. So uh, on the music, when, when I go to sleep, I just, you know, kind of like chill out and and uh, really relax. So I said, well, I'm going to call Kenneth Hagen Ministries and find out if I could get a CD. And I asked the lady, and uh, she said, well, sure, we, uh, we, Keith Moore, you ever heard of him? I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't been living, uh, you know, real good either. So... <laughs> <laughs> hey, we all been there. But anyway, uh, she said, well, let, let me send you a couple. And I said, that, that's great, you know. So we made the arrangements, and the, the CDs come, and, uh, and I listened to them, and I looked at Keith's picture, and I said, man, uh, I you know, I said, this is the type of music right here that I, I listen to, you know. And I said, man, but I could feel the anointing on it. Well, that was the Lord's way of putting Keith in my mind. Her sister lived up here. I'm going to let her take the rest of the story, I think, because uh, she's a better storyteller than I am. But, yeah. But anyway, uh, I'll let her take over from here. There's so much detail, and, and I brought my Kleenex because I know what's going to happen. But... Um, Jim and I will just be married a year in December, and uh, I had lived up here. The Lord had brought me up here with family in 99, and uh, I lived here for 18 months, and then he had just, uh, just kept pulling on me and pulling on me to go back to Louisiana. So I went back to Louisiana, which was a year ago last, um, well, a little over a year ago, and uh, about March. Last March was a year, and so I went back home, and I really thought it was the loneliness for my children and grandchildren that I was missing, but it wasn't. It was a whole lot more than that, because I was single, and I had, I was kind of like um, somebody said a while ago, uh, didn't want another man in my life. I'd been single for six years. Jim had been single for six years, and I was really burnt out. I had been saved, filled with the Holy Ghost for years, and had backslidden, you know, after a divorce, you know, really got in a place that you didn't want to get. And um, so, but when I came up here, I, I really found the Lord again, and not without some, some uh, error there, but when I went back to Louisiana, I was ready to serve God. I mean, sold out to serve God. You know, we've all been there. Uh, wasn't looking for a man, didn't want any part of that. But God had a plan. <laughs> he brought me to, I had gone to the same church for 12 years prior to moving up here. And when I went back, 
I asked the Lord, you know, where do you want me? Well, he didn't lead me back to that church. He led me to a little church in the same town where I'd gone to church for years and years and uh, never even heard of it. I didn't even know this church existed. But the Lord brought me there, and Jim was there, and he was the drummer there. And uh, I know this is kind of just trying to help you to see what God has done in our lives. And, um, you know, I didn't pay any attention to the men there. I didn't. As a matter of fact, I was so about it, I didn't want to. I didn't want to shake the hands of the ushers, you know. I know I don't think, you know, but God is so good and He's so merciful and He knows how to prepare us for what we need. And I had said to the Lord, God, if you ever want me to have another husband, because I'd been married 25 years, gone through a divorce, and now been single six years, and a lot of ups and downs in that six years. And I said, if you ever want me to have another husband. You're going to have to do it, and you're going to have to do it in such a way that I know that I know that I know it's you. Well, I won't go through all the particulars, but he did exactly that. He, Jim was the drummer at this church, and he, it took several months for him to get me to even look at him. And even when I did, I was like, mm, you know, I mean, it just wasn't, you know what I'm saying? But when God does something, he does it supernaturally. There's no flesh involved. It's nothing of the natural. It's spiritual. And God put us together. We never dated. We just, <laughs> he just supernaturally put us together. That's, you know, without telling you all the details, that's what he did. And uh, we had married in December. This December will be uh, a year. And um, right after we married, Jim started saying, you know, Christy, I, I don't think we're here for long. Well, I don't that know didn't... why I said that. <laughs> Uh, it was Holy Ghost, I that. That didn't sit well with me because I was happy where we were. I mean, we were, you know, really involved, and, and I was excited about that. But, but we had got this, he had this CD, and I had started listening to it during the day while he was at work. And I'd say, man, when he come home, I'd say, this, this is awesome. There's such an anointing on this. And um, then all of a sudden, in about um, uh, March, the first part of March, um, God was just preparing us for the move. And then my sister calls me one day, and she, they had been to visit, and um, uh, she had heard the CD, and so she knew who Keith Moore was and came back. And they opened the paper one day, and here now he we're is. we're getting to the thick of it right here. <laughs> here he is opening, starting a church. So she calls me up, and she says, you'll never believe who's coming to Branson. And I said, no, who? She said, Keith Moore. I said, I know him. We said, <laughs> Really? So God moved on us to come up, I mean, just like that, to come up the second weekend of their services. And we came up and we sat down right in that section. And we had been so hungry and so starved for the Lord and the truth in the gospel of Jesus. The truth. I mean, hungry for years as separately as individuals. And then once we came together... I mean, you become one, and then it really gets strong. And so we sit there, and as Brother Keith began to talk and minister, we just turned and looked at each other, and we were like, it was like a bomb fell on us, you know. And we knew that the Lord was dealing with it. I didn't say anything to him. I said, he's the head of the house, and God, you have to speak to him. I knew already what God was telling me, but I knew he had to tell Jim. And so Jim asked me that evening, he said, well, what do you think? And I said, Oh, well, you know, I, we'll just pray about it, and it's whatever the Lord tells you, you know. 
And I didn't want to give my opinion, you know, what I, I felt God was telling me. But uh, by the next day in services, because we were here the, through, through the whole weekend, um, he said, Honey, I believe God's telling us to move to Branson. I said, Oh, glory. <laughs> you know, because I knew he was telling us that. And uh, it took us a little while from March to May to get here. But it has been the most glorious ride we, we are learning things that we, you know, we should have known for years and years. And it wasn't just falling away from God and coming back. It was just, you know, truths that we should have known for years. And we're so thankful. We're so grateful. Thank and you Lord. guys have blessed us beyond. And y'all have blessed us. You know, us. you what can imagine. So, you guys are. Jim's always our fill-in. If uh, something happens to Craig, Craig still plays it where Craig's already sit down. Plays at some of the shows sometimes, so his schedule conflicts just a little bit. So Jim is our Mr. Drummer fill-in, so he does a good job, you guys. Thank you, Lord. They're going to blow up if I stay too close to them. Now, uh, Liz and Rick, where are y'all at? I know they're here. Y'all come on up here. All these people don't know I'm calling on them, so they're kind of spread out in every direction. I just know some secrets about some people. Now, they come here from, tell me where again, is it Phoenix, Arizona. God sent them here from Phoenix, Arizona. So y'all go ahead and take the microphone so I don't have to walk back up there and ring for you. Glory to God. We're just happy about being here. We were told told that we... um, you know, basically, we were going to a church that we actually really enjoyed. We had been to several different churches. I uh, met my wife. I was looking at some Bible schools in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and ultimately um, um, met my wife. And, just, and then the Lord said, "No, you know, Bible school. You, I just sent you up to Colorado from Phoenix to meet your wife." And I said, "Well, glory to God!" Yeah. All these people getting married and coming to church here. Glory to God. So um, I said, um, I said that's good, you know. I appreciate that, you know, and <laughs> praise God. Um, so I got married, and that was about three years this December 10th, and uh, we're happily married, glory to God. Um, but then we then we moved um, down to Fort Worth, Texas, to look at Jerry Jerry Seville School, and decided that wasn't the the place for us, you know. We were just looking for our place, you know, to be able to get in and maybe help if we could, and ultimately. Um, in Phoenix, we found a church that um, we really enjoyed. Um, I, there I could help my family and minister to my family, and ultimately uh, it, was, it was working really good. It was, it was a blessing. I mean, we were, we were blessed. Um, and um, alt- we, we were, we were um, actually sending for teaching tapes from Brother Moore, and we were um, you know, being blessed by his ministry, you know, sowing into his ministry, knew that his ministry was based out of Tulsa. But I remember in 97, I actually had um, filled out a volunteer sheet to be a volunteer at in Tulsa there at the ministry. But there was no openings, too many volunteers. Bless God. So <laughs> I was like, praise God. You know. We like volunteers. Yeah. So I, um, so I said, um, I said, glory to God. And I moved back home. And well, there in uh, Phoenix, we were actually trying to, to get a teaching tape series through the, through More Life Ministry. And in Tulsa, and we were calling, and something was wrong with the phones. We we didn't realize that they were making the transition, I guess, from from Tulsa to Branson, and we were like, "Well, bless God." I said, "Okay." 
I said, that's fine. I'll go on the Internet at the library and, and um, use my credit card to get the, the teaching series that I wanted. And um, we both went to the library, and I, I looked. We got on the website and found their web page, and over on there was Faith, Faith, Faith Life Church, which I thought at the time was a church that they were going to minister at. I said, well, praise God, you know. And so I click on it, and I realized real quickly that in two weeks they were going to start a church in which was Easter Sunday. You should have seen his face light up. <laughs> Lord of God, I tell you what, I was excited. I said, you know. I, I knew I better start packing. Yeah. Our lease was expired that August, which, so we had to wait until August, which, bless God, I'm a faithful man, so when, when, when it comes to signing a lease or an agreement, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fulfill it till the end. And ultimately, um, I did. Didn't want to. I kind of... Wanted to leave early and come here. So praise God, we left. We, we decided to leave Phoenix, and it was funny because um, I was offered a position. I, I believe it was a paid position by my pastor to um, to be a youth minister, and I, and um, of course, of course, all these things would be coming. You know, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Only I owned a landscaping business. I'm not making that here, but bless God, it seems everybody is, you know. Just, I mean, we're blessed. I mean, money's coming in left and right, and um, God is faithful. And, and you know, I think um, ultimately everybody has a place, and uh, this is our place, and we're, we're grateful. We're grateful to God to be able to sit under a ministry such as this is. Well, I just want to talk about when, when we first got here, it was just an attack. An all-out attack, we knew it. I mean, everything... I locked the keys in the car. We were driving here. We had the U-Haul in the car on the trailer. And I locked all the keys in the car. We were stuck at this place. And uh, the, the locksmith guy, he wasn't there. Uh, so we drove down the road. And we saw a sign for highway patrol. A uh, little station. So we drove in there. Hey, maybe they can open our car for us. And uh, they said no. Well, we get in there. And we have this car on a trailer. And we get stuck in there. <laughs> we can't get out. And we can't turn around. Finally, after like, I don't know, half an hour of back and going forward and back, we finally got out. Um, when we got here, we found a place, but then they rented it to somebody else. We waited in a, at, for a week in a little, tiny little hotel room because we thought we'd have a place. And then they told us, oh, no, we rented that out. So, But then God provided another place, a better place for less money. So that was good. Thank you, Lord. That's about it. Glory to God. Well, these guys, especially Rick, has been here on a regular and consistent basis. He's sprayed weed killer. He's worked in the flowers outside. He's worked outside. So he's blessing us with what God has done for him. So you guys, they are a blessing. So this is another one. Thank you, guys, that God has brought into us. Thank you, Miss Liz. Thank you, Lord. Well, I've got one more, and it's a little bit different, and, and they may not even want to come up here and share it, but we'll see. I'll step away again from that thing. But... um. These people were actually here in town, but God had really, really severely attacked them. And I know where God has brought them from. So um, um, the Bradfords, would y'all come up here and share with us how y'all wound up here at church? Mary and John, y'all come on up here. <laughs> it's a little bit different, but especially you. We need to hear what happened when we first found out about you. A little reluctant, can you tell? They're not, they're not the stand in front of ty- people tight. None of these that I've called up here, so you can see. If I called on you, you might feel the same way. Y'all come on up here. Y'all, y'all enjoying this this morning? I'm enjoying it myself. 
Thank you, guys. Don't want to put you on the spot, but share a little bit about how you wound up here at Faith Life Church and what happened with him when we first met you and what we were doing with him. Remember that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You tell it then. Well, come on, Mary. Come on, Mary. <laughs> well, prior to the time that uh, Keith and they came came here, uh, I had a uh, open heart surgery. And uh, the open heart surgery went really good. About two days later, my kidneys shut down and almost died. Matter of fact, I think you need to tell them what happened. I'm not good in front of people at all. <laughs> here, we'll stand um, here with you. Am I, is my mic going to bother us? She's alone. Go ahead. Well, he went to the hospital. Uh, he had to have a five bypass heart surgery, which was quite a shock. He had only been feeling tired, <laughs> and uh, they found out that he needed five bypass heart surgery. He got through that pretty good, but then I was sitting with him every night. I wouldn't leave him. Uh, one morning, he kept complaining that he couldn't breathe. So they kept giving him breathing treatments all through the night. And uh, thank the Lord that our um, daughter-in-law is a registered nurse out of Oklahoma, but she had come up to be with us, and she had told me some of the things to watch for. He had the little thing on his finger that was checking his oxygen, and um, I kept watching it, and she told me, she said, if it gets down in the low 80s, she said, he's in trouble. So I kept telling him that he couldn't breathe and his oxygen just kept dropping. And it finally went to 79. And I knew then I had to do something. So I took off running out of the hospital room, screaming. I said, you're just going to let him die? And I grabbed a telephone to call for help. My daughter said, Mom, who are you going to call? I said, I don't know. I didn't have a clue. I just had to get somebody's attention. So they ran into the room. They realized he was in trouble. They grabbed the bed, took him back to intensive care, and the doctor come to me and said, we don't think he's going to make it. My daughter and my stepson stood there, and we held hands and we prayed. And we were serious. And as soon as we got through praying, the doctor came out, and he says, well, I don't know what happened, but he's going in the right direction. Yes, Lord. Um, I said, I know what happened. <laughs> he was in the hospital for 23 days, but he's doing fine, and he loves the Lord, which is um, a good thing. We haven't always, we've been married almost 21 years, and we haven't always lived for the Lord like we should, but uh, we're on the right track now, and we love Keith and Phyllis. Well, tell them about uh, the prayer cloth and Dino, if you will, with the... Uh, Brother Keith, I, I knew of uh, Keith and Phyllis because of watching uh, him on Kenneth Copeland a lot. And I, I worked for Dino, and uh, I was at Dino's house. He, I cooked for them a lot, for a lot of their, their company. And uh, he had asked me if I would make a dinner for them. They were coming over. And I was really excited. I didn't realize then that they were going to have a church here. And um, so I cooked dinner for them that night, and I had asked them to pray over a cloth. And, and gave to John and uh, took the cloth and he slept with it under his pillow. As a matter of fact, it's still in his pillowcase and it's been uh, over a year. <laughs> and we, we believe in that. <laughs> well, we really like this church and we love Keith and his wife. 
And uh, I really love the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I think the Lord saved me for to do certain things. And yes. We are doing it. We're putting in a medical center here in town to help people. Thank you, Lord. Anyway. Thank, thank you, you Lord. very much. Yes, thank you, Lord. I appreciate y'all doing if that. You want us to tell how we came here or not. That's okay. I'm going to go on from here. Is there somebody else? Thank you, John. Is there somebody else that I'm not aware of that really, really has a, a testimony about how you got here, real quickly? Because I got something else I'm going to go on with, if not. But I, there's somebody I might not know or something. There's a lady back there. T- tell us how you got here, real quick. Come up here, real quickly. And then I want to go on with something else and share with you about the reason that I called them up here last. Take just a second. Yes. It might not be spectacular to anybody else, but it is to me. Yes, God's spectacular. Um, I've been up here since January of 2000. I came from southeast Alabama. Alabama. The south is bringing up fruit. And I tried so hard when I came up to fit in certain places, to find my place, as these people have said, to find out where God wanted me to be because I know that I love the Lord and I wanted His plan to be filled. But uh, Billy Brim prayed for me, and I knew that I was to come to Branson. And as some of those have said, I've struggled in many different ways, but I went to the places where God led me, and I've been involved in church, but it's like I could never seem to hook up. And a good friend of mine went to Rama, and Brother Keith was her teacher. And so when she found out that he was coming here, she said, that's where I'm going. And I said, well, I don't know, because I'd only heard Brother Keith uh, a couple of times on Brother Copeland's, but I wanted to hear it for myself. You know, we got to be convinced in our That's own right. hearts. That's right. And so um, I prayed, and uh, I went to the church that I've been going to. But one Friday night, I came here, and it was like putting your foot in a good fitting shoe. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory Woo! to God. And I praise God for bringing him here, and I know it's a good thing. It's a God thing. God's going to use Brother Keith to bring together this body of Christ here in Branson in our own different uniques, and uh, it, it'll never be the same. Thank so you, thank Lord. God for y'all. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Well, I don't know if y'all enjoyed that or not this morning. I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you, Lord. Well, before I get into this other stuff, let me make a couple of announcements, and then we're going to go forward. I know it's already late, but I've got just a minute. I want to share with you a couple of things about some of the things that were said. Um, Dave didn't tell you, but we are hooked on believing for 396 seats. That's where we are. Our next step in the plan was to believe for 500. We're down to 396. So uh, you guys hook with us, stay with us. 396, it'll be done before you can snap your fingers. But that means seats filled. That means seats paid for. Keith never tells this, but that includes 10-point-something acres that surround us here. So, you know, that's this auditorium, the seats, everything you see, the equipment, everything will be totally and completely paid for. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. And then Miss Billy Brim, as she, she brought up Miss Billy Brim, is having a meeting here. I believe it starts next Thursday night in Branson at the Chateau. And it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I think Monday morning she goes out to Prayer Mountain. But um, they are looking for some extra ushers and greeters. So if anyone here from the church feels like you're going anyway and would like to help them out, uh, feel free to call them. Uh, Tamara's got the number. Tamara, stand up. She's got the number. Or it's 336-4877 if you feel like you could help Miss Billy out. She is an anointed minister of the gospel and... Uh, She'll be there at the Chateau next weekend. So, But what I wanted to get into with you, why I called the Bradfords up uh, at the end, was how many of you got to see the broadcast a couple of weeks ago on TBN when Keith and I were on there with Ken and Gloria and George and Terry? How many of you got to see that? Wasn't it good? 
Well, the Lord reminded me of something yesterday when I was trying to get ready for the service today, and it just reminded me of it again when um, the Bradfords were up here. Do you notice she said that his oxygen level went down past 79? And she had to, in an instant, call on someone. Did you get that? How many times in our lives, and that's what my notes are about this morning, and I didn't know that they were going to share that, but if you remember that night, Terry was telling about um, Brother Copeland's granddaughter had uh, been diagnosed with spinal meningitis, and uh, they instantly jumped on it and took control over it, and she got all better really, really quick. But Terry said that there was other people that were in the hospital there that were just in hysteria because their people had been diagnosed, their kids had been diagnosed, and they were just without a clue as to what to do. Do you remember that? And I said on the broadcast, so how do we help those people? Do you remember that? Well, that's what I want you guys to understand this morning. We as believers, the, the question is, I know Keith has been kind of, lack of a better word, strongly encouraging you to read your Bibles. I mean, if I could use that as strong as that, he's probably been doing more than that. If you knew for Keith, that is very strong for him to be that adamant about something. And it's not because it's going to help Keith for you to read your Bible. It's because when situations arise like this and your blood oxygen level goes down to 79, you know what to do. It's not always convenient to pick up the phone. What if you do try to call us as pastors and you can't get us? What if we're in a meeting? What if we're not there? What if the person that you know is strongest in faith is unavailable to you at that time? What do you do? How do you respond? Turn with me to Joshua 1.8. Everybody there? Glory. I'm excited this morning because I think you people are hooked this morning really strong to understand this. The book of the law, that means what? This Bible shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make you prosperous And you shall have good success. How do we know what to do when circumstances arise? Another translation says, you will be able to deal wisely with the affairs of life. It says if you meditate in the book day and night, then you'll know what to do when situations arise. Have you ever, I I think my favorite thing to watch on TV is courtroom scenes. I don't care, I don't want to see the killing part or the the bad part. I don't even turn it on there till I see a courtroom scene and the judge is up there and the lawyers are up there and they're arguing their cases. I love that because it reminds me so much of the word. Because what about you? The Bible is your law. Is that correct? We as Christians, the Bible is our law. And if God says, by his stripes you were healed, Shouldn't you know that before you go into court? What do attorneys do? 
They read, they study, they know the law pertaining to the area that they're having to fight their case for. Do you understand that? Okay, say they're going to fight a civil case. And say, just yesterday, I watched this courtroom scene for a few minutes. I was flipping the channel for the weather because Keith was going out of town. In case you were wondering, Keith is in St. Louis. He's probably finishing up before now in the middle of his sermon also. And uh, he's uh, had to speak again last night and had to speak twice again this morning. So if y'all run out of things to pray about, pray for Brother Keith and Phyllis for strength, okay? So um, we'll get everything done that we need to get done in the time frame that we need to get it done in. So, But anyway, I was watching this courtroom scene. And they were, this insurance company had not paid for something that they were supposed to pay for. And the, these attorneys that worked for the insurance company were really, there were six of them representing this insurance company, and they knew the law backward and forward. I mean, they knew every loophole. They knew every way to get around something. They knew how to make the law say what they wanted it to say. They knew how to quote the exact reference. And I'm calling it reference, but what is it called in law? I don't even know. The numbers, the case, whatever it is. You know, they say such and such and such and such numbers, you know. They knew exactly what to say. Well, it was this little guy on the other side protecting this guy that had leukemia or something. It was his first case he'd ever done. So he barely, 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 barely knew the law. So much so that the judge had to tell him, Now, son, you can't walk up and hand her that. You have to ask my permission to walk up and hand her that. And he almost lost the case. Why? Over and over and over and over and over again, there were things he should have objected to. Now, how I know that is because I've watched enough courtroom scenes to see that he should have objected to some things and he should not have let some things go. But he didn't know that because he didn't know the law. So he let some things slide and almost lost this case for these people because he didn't know how to defend them properly. That's what happens in each and every one of our lives every single day. Every single day. My mom called me yesterday. A good friend of hers was diagnosed yesterday or day before with cancer. Went into a panic. Doesn't know what to do. We as Christians know a little bit about what to do, but we don't know enough to defend ourselves. The Bible is our law. And if we had any smarts about us, we would learn it, we would meditate in it day and night and night and day and day and night to where when the devil throws something in our face and he says, I'm stealing your child from you, they're never going to serve God, you know what law to stand on. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he will not what? So you confess that. You don't get in fear instantly and say, Oh God, the devil's taking my child. Oh God, the devil's taking my child. The Bradfords, okay? The oxygen level in his blood went down below 79. What did they do instantly? They began to pray and call out to God. What about if they didn't know to do that? He would have died. So if we're smart, we will learn this law Night and day. We will train ourselves exactly how we're supposed to respond in every circumstance of life. Larry, I'm ringing pretty bad up here. 
Um, we will know how to respond no matter what attacks our lives. Say your kidneys stop. Say you go home this afternoon and you have immediate kidney failure. What do you do? It's kind of late to get in the Word, isn't it? It's kind of late to find out, speak to that kidney and tell it to function properly. It's kind of late to go in there and find 12 scriptures that you know that you can stand on. You should have already been built up because you know as well as I know, the devil doesn't give you forewarning that he's going to attack you. Now these attorneys in these cases, they know about them. And this particular case yesterday, they were doing what they called fast-tracking. Because the boy was dying. So they wanted the case to be done, dealt with, everything to be handled in a speedy fashion. Well, that's the way the devil always wants to do with you. He wants to kill you in a speedy fashion. But the only thing you have going for you is what? This word. This law. Read it again. Joshua 1.8. The book, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein night and day, day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For then, only then, like what Dave was talking about this morning, only then, after you observe to do, can he make your way prosperous, and then can you have good success. Why is that? Because God's a mean God? Why is it in a courtroom situation, that judge yesterday on that particular program, he wanted that young boy to win. He thought the insurance company was in the wrong. And he was trying, he, I mean, it reminded me so much of a God situation. If he could have just ruled and said, you're wrong, this boy is right, he wins, he would have done it. But he had to go directly by what the law said. And he tried to help that boy as much as he could, but he couldn't say too much or they'd have got the case thrown out because the judge would have been prejudicial. Well, our judge is prejudicial. He sent his son. He died for us. He gave his life for us. And he gave us the book to give us all the answers about what we need to do. But we refuse to get in it. It's like an open book test. All the answers are there, but we refuse to read the book. Well, now that's a dumb person that's going to go take a test and they don't even open book and they just sit there and fill out the answers with the book sitting right there beside them. That's what we do as Christians. We do it continuously. We go to our friends. We go to our moms. We go to our dads. We go to our pastors. But you know what? Even us as pastors or even us as your elders or even us as your leaders cannot tell you what to do in every situation. We cannot hear from God for you. The most important thing that you can do for yourself is to learn what this book says. The most important thing that you can do for your family. I know when Keith and I first got in the ministry, all of our friends and family didn't understand it. They didn't have a clue about what we were doing. Well, we went out to Bible school. We loaded up like the Beverly Hillbillies, as Keith said, loaded up the truck and moved to Tulsa. And uh, so we got there, and Keith went into Bible school. 
And he studied the word night and day and day and night and night and day and day and night. He was in the Bible constantly. I mean, you couldn't hardly talk to him because he knew what was ahead of him. A wise man prepares ahead of the case instead of in the middle of the case. A wise man prepares for a test. You know how when you were in school, looking now back when you were older, don't you think, I wish I'd have studied a little bit better for that, a little bit ahead of time instead of procrastinating it? Well, it hasn't changed. The wise man will prepare ahead of time. The wise man will be ready when they hear, you've got cancer. There's no hope for you. You can say, oh, no, 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 no. I I respect you, doctor. I love you. But there is hope for me. My Bible says I will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. But you can't say that unless you know it. So as Keith is encouraging each one of us to read our Bible... It will absolutely not benefit Keith for you to read your Bible. Do you understand that? It will benefit you. You get more out of it than you think you do. Because when a situation arises, you may not know exactly where you read that, but you know it's in there. And you can go find it. You know how to stand when the test comes. You know how to resist when the devil tries to throw something at you. Say he attacks your finances. Say he attacks them with both barrels. Say he attacks them and you don't have enough money to feed your kids. Are you just going to sit back like in the courtroom case? This is exactly your life. You're there on the stand. The devil says that you can't have this. And you are the attorney for your life. What, what, what do you respond? You're broke. You'll never have anything. He was made poor so that I could be rich. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Well, how do you say that if you don't even know it's in the book? People oftentimes wonder why ministers encourage people to read their Bible and go to church. It's like... Oh, that's just church. I do church on Sunday and I do work and family the rest of the week. I used to think that. Keith's in Bible school, like I said, studying night and day, day and night, studying, studying, studying. And he'd say sometimes, never very much. He's never been one to try to preach. Well, I I won't put it that way because he always preaches to me. But um, (laughs) a preacher preaches, a rooster crows, you know. I mean, what, what do you say? And um, he's always teaching. He reminds me of Brother Hagin. One time Brother Hagin was teaching Keith. We were playing aggravation with him one night. And um, uh, him and um, Miss Orita. And he says, now, Phyllis, move your marble here now. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And if you'll move it here, then you'll be set up to do this. And if you move it here, then you'll be ready to do this. And then if you do this, you'll be ready. Teaching constantly. Always the teacher, you know. And so that's the way he is. That's the way Keith is. If you're ever around him, if you're ever around him, he's constantly teaching. Mike flew with him recently. Kate's worked for us for a long time. I mean, he's constantly teaching. It doesn't matter if it's how to take the trash can out. There's always a teaching. Okay? I mean, constantly. That's just the way he is. And it's no need in anybody getting upset or offended because that's what God has anointed him to do is teach. So don't get upset if you see him and he teaches you because that's what he does. But anyhow, he would say, Phyllis, you know, it might be good if you spend a little time reading your Bible and praying. And that's all he'd say. 
I mean, I'm working 14-hour days. He's not working at the time. He's going to Bible school. And so that's all he's doing is spending time in the Word. And that's all I'm not doing is spending time in the Word. Do you see how bad that could be? There's nothing worse than a marriage than for one person to be growing and the other person to be shrinking. But then the other side of that, there's nothing worse than a marriage than one of them trying to demand that the other one read and pray. They will run from it with both feet. They will. You cannot make somebody submit to God. If if you could, God would have done it a long time ago. Because if anybody has any power, it's him. And he would have made people do it a long time ago. So he'd say, you know what? If you get attacked, you're going to be wishing you'd you'd have had some word in you. Because he had enough sense and word in him to know that if I got attacked, he couldn't fix it for me. And that's why we, as leaders, we've been to a lot of churches to where it's like they always want their people coming to them and counseling with them. And tell me all your problems. Tell me what's going on and I'll lead you what direction you need to go. Hogwash. People can't lead you what direction you need to go. Only God can lead you what direction you need to go. Because we only know in part. We only know the part that God chooses to reveal to us, and that's a small part. But you know it all. You know where you came from, where you've been. You know what you're doing, where your heart is. You know what's God's settled down in your heart. It says deep calls unto deep. I don't know what's deep in your heart that's crying out deep to God. But God knows. So in us encouraging you to spend time praying and spend time reading your Bible, it will only benefit you when the situation arises. Someone will be attacked. Every person in this room will be attacked. It's not a bad confession. It's a fact. Now, the difference is, how do you respond? The difference is, do you hear, okay, you go to the doctor, and you hear, okay, Miss Susie, you have cancer. You've got 15 days to live. Do you just run out of that doctor's office in hysteria, find your way to your closet, and just lay there and cry for those 15 days? You say that, but I've been around some people, very close people to me. Both my mom and my dad overcame cancer. Uh, Other people that I've been very, very close to have overcome it. When they tell you those words, they are tormenting words. And it's real easy to believe I'm this big, strong, spiritual person and that I just am not going to let it bother me if they tell me those words. But that's easier said than done. But the stronger that your spirit is, your head will give you fits. But God does not live in your head. God lives in your heart. And your heart can override your head. Your head can be feeding you, you're going to die, you're going to die, and your heart be saying, no, I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. Only because you know it. Only because you know the law. You know what you need to plead your case before God. You know what you need to put the devil on the run. You know, you've seen court cases yourself where a case can be going really, really, really good for somebody. I mean, they can have all their hooks in, they can have all the evidence, they can have all this stuff, and it's looking really, really bad for the person. And you know they're innocent all the time. You ever seen that? I mean, it's just looking really, really bad for them. There's absolutely no way that they can win. You ever felt hopeless like that? Sure. Everybody in here has. 
felt totally hopeless that they, there's no way that they can win. But then one little piece of, they search, stay up all night long, and they find this one little small case law that overrides, that they tell in court the next day that throws everything that's been admitted as evidence out. Everything that that other case, the other side has, has presented because of this one little law that they stay up with all these great big law books. Y'all ever seen the law libraries and stuff? How many books there are that these people have to learn? Is there any lawyers in here? Anybody studied law very much? Yeah, we got one back there. Uh, he could probably tell this better than me. Um, all the books and all the case laws and all the things that they have to do to present their case. I mean, they have to study and learn and memorize and study and learn and memorize books and books and books. Is, is that correct? Books of the law. We only have one. We only have one. And it's all in there. Everything that we need. Everything that we need. And you don't have to pay them a dime to plead your case. This book is free. You can plead your own case. And you know what to do and how to do it. Because when the problem arises, you as an individual will have enough word in you. You will not let it depart out of your heart. You'll let it live in your heart. You'll know what to do. You'll read it. You'll study it. You'll live in it night and day. That's the only thing that makes people... You see um, different ones. Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen, Keith, Brother Jesse, Brother Jerry. Different than you sitting right there on the pew. The only thing is because they have taken the time to sit down and learn this book. I used to call Keith my walking concordance. I'd never, when I was having to get a sermon up, I'd never get out my, my Bible program. I'd say, Keith, where's this? Where's this? Where's this? Where's this? Where's this? Because he knew it. But is it just important for Keith and our ministers to know it? That's what I thought. I'd say, well, Keith, why do I need to study and read and pray? I got you. I mean, he is my husband, and he knows the word, and if something happens, I can go to him, right? He is the head of my house. He knows the word backward and forward. I've got you. Why do I need to read and pray? Why do I need to study? Because there came a time where it didn't matter how hard Keith prayed for me, that sickness stayed in my body. No matter how strong the anointing was on Keith to minister, God was requiring certain things of me. I could walk on his faith for a little while, as long as I was a baby and as long as I didn't know very much. But the minute I was in, we were, we had been in, you can't imagine how many church services we've been in over the last 20 years. Sometimes two a day, sometimes three a day, for weeks on end. We have had so much word put into us. But you know what? Even then, if you do not get your Bible and see it for yourself, you do not spend time praying, asking God to reveal it to you, it will do you absolutely no good. It's just exactly like a lawyer in a court. They cannot 
depend on somebody else to know the law for them when they're up trying to plead that case. It doesn't matter how much that other person sitting at that other table knows about the law. It's what they know to defend themselves. We don't have to hire a lawyer to defend our case. No one knows your case better than you know it. Nobody knows what you're going through better than you know it. If you're going through a situation in your life today, if you're going through a test, if you're going through a trial, if your finances are low, if your marriage is, is under, in trouble, if your children are messed up, if your body is racked with pain, sickness, disease, if you don't have answers, if you just need wisdom, get the book out. There's nothing more important than you can do then turn your TV off and get that book out and find those answers for yourself. Nothing. Nothing will answer your questions better. Nothing will make you stronger to stand than seeing that God did it for you. It doesn't matter how much I know God did it for you. It's not going to help you. Keith knew God did it for us, but it did not help me one bit when the devil tried to put lumps in my body. Did not help me one bit that Keith was filled with the word and power and the anointing. Do you understand me? When it comes to you and your body and your finances and your children, no one, no one, again, say that with me, no one can help me more than I can help myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? Take the time. Read your chapter every day. Take the time. Pray for a few minutes every day. You will find out real quickly that as you're reading, how many of you have already done that? You're reading along your daily readings, and it's an answer to something that you're going through. How many have already done that? It answers the question. Now, Keith isn't answering it from here, and I'm not answering it. God is answering your question for your life to get you through your situation. And he will do that for you. You don't need a mediator between you and God. Just you and God. You understand that. I've got a lot more sermon that I could get, but I think I got the point across this morning that I need to get across. You have got to learn to read your Bible and pray for yourself. You've got to learn to spend time with God for yourself. You need to train your children to do that. So that when they are little... And they get attacked at school. Teach them about boldness. Teach them about self-confidence. Get the Bible out. Study about wisdom and self-confidence. Kids today, that is why they smoke. That is why they drink. That is why they do the things that they do because they have absolutely no self-confidence on their own. Well, where are they going to get more self-confidence than knowing who they are from the book? Who they are in Christ. Who they are. And it doesn't matter what you tell them. It matters what God tells them who they are. You can tell them all day and all they're going to say, you're just mama. They're just going to say, you're just mama. But if God reveals it to their heart through his word, then it's there. It can't be shaken from them. You can't pull it out. They know it. And no matter what their head says, their heart's going to come back to them and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ died for me. For me. And nothing will help you to know what to do in situations like the Bradfords, in situations like what we were talking about on TBN when those people's children were diagnosed with spinal meningitis. If you hear those words, you really, really have almost an instant 
to make a decision about where you stand. It's almost like an instant. Am I going to cave into this or am I going to resist it? That, that's about how long that you have. Is that right? The fall is waving their hand here where he had that heart attack. I mean, you, you don't have time to get your Bible out. Did you have time to get your Bible out and find out what God said about healing? No, you didn't. You, that's right. She knew to say he should live and not die. And he's sitting right there right now. But what if she didn't know that? He would be dead today. That's what I want to encourage you about this morning. Church is not just a place to come to, to visit people and see people. And, and church is not just a place to, to say, okay, we had a lot of people there this morning. The reason we have church is so that we can encourage you how to overcome what's going to happen to you next week. Not that we're here to overcome it for you, to show you how to overcome it yourself. Because we were not there at her house. We would not have had time to get to her house, to lay hands on him, to pray for him, to speak life back into his body, to do anything. He would have been dead if she'd had to wait on us to get there. And you, each and every one of you, no one in here knows, yes, you can resist. Don't get into fear. That's not something that you need to do. But no one knows when the devil is going to attack. You need to be able to resist. He will attack. It's how you respond to the attack as to whether you live or die. It's that critical. Living or dying. Making your way prosperous. Dealing with the affairs of life. Stand up on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's everybody make a commitment to the Lord that we are going to do that, that we understand the purpose of doing that. I want us all just to agree. And if you cannot agree and you're not going to do it, don't tell a lie. But I hope you see this morning the importance of you doing it for you. If you didn't get anything else out of these testimonies, we couldn't tell all these people that's moved here to come to church. We, could, we weren't the Holy Ghost. We couldn't tell them, okay, Craig, y'all are supposed to move here. You're supposed to play the drums for Faith Life Church. We didn't even know them. They had to hear from God for themselves. So let's close our eyes. Father God, we just release ourselves to you, Father, and we just ask you to give us the wisdom and the strength as to when to pray, when to read our Bible, when to do the things that you've asked us to do. Lord, say this after me. I make a commitment to put you first so that you can put me first and give me all the answers that I need for every situation that comes my way. Lead me to the scriptures I need. Lead me to the word that I need to pull me out of this situation. Your word has all the answers. Now I ask you, Lord, to direct me to it. And I commit to find the time to find out what you say about it. And to do whatever you tell me to do. In Jesus' name.